Welcome to the Thrive Church Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged by this message today. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, we're just uh, excited for the season that we're in. We're believing that God uh, is... I guess, you know, raising the level. He wants to raise the level in our own homes and raise the awareness of his presence, raise um, the the wisdom that he wants to bring to us to see that our families, uh, that whether, you know, maybe you're here today and and you feel pain when when we say the word family and and you're like, well, I just feel so disconnected from my family or my family's overseas, I'm just here by myself. And uh, it's... uh, during this series, there's no intent to, um, for, to, to make you feel isolated or from any context that we are talking about. We really want you to feel like that you're a part of you know, our Thrive family, but we, we, we're going to believe with you that you would um, have your own family, that you would feel so connected and valued within, um, and that you'd be able to pick some of God's heart up for where you're at in the context of your own uh, living situation and world. Whether that be your workplace, you can apply some stuff all across the board here. So it's going to be a good one, I hope. So we've called this series Full House. Uh, We believe that every household is meant to be full of the Holy Spirit, like just full of God, full of joy, full of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And you might be thinking of your own family now going, we have a long way to go. I want to tell you as well, I'm in the same boat. I'm, um, some of what I'm speaking about, we've, we've spoken from, we'll speak from personal experience over this. Some of it we've taken and gleaned from other great communicators. And it's by no means us saying that we've got this whole family thing down pat. And our life is full of bliss and harmony. At times it's amazing, but at times it's still, we're still really learning on this journey of family. So over this uh, next four weeks, we've got four, um, well, we've got Adam White coming in the middle, uh, which is going to be so exciting, but um, we're going to have, our first week today is called Lift Our Vision. Um, so this is about lifting our vision for our family life. We're going to be uh, talking, Deb and I, next week on treasuring our connections um, and overcoming those things that will bring disconnection in our family. We're going to be talking about healing the past as well. Like, what's the context that you've come up through uh, as parent, as children, and now you're parenting out of, you know, what you learnt and the, ma- the behaviour and the responses that you saw modelled in your own uh, family context as a child. And then we're going to be coming back to creating legacy again. Uh, so it's going to be cool. Lifting our family's vision. And maybe you've got a, a handout there, hopefully, um, that might be, uh, might be helpful for you afterwards or just during the service today. Has anyone seen the movie The Incredibles? The Incredibles. <laughs> Great movie. Second one was also uh, a, a cool movie as well. It's, a, it's uh, about a family of superheroes and in the context of their family life, they uh, learn to accept and celebrate each other's superhero strengths, and they become united as a family when their enemy, I think his name Syndrome, um, comes in and, and, and plots to break them up and rule the world. But um, as a family, they come up with this plan to disempower, disempower uh, Syndrome, and Each one of them has this opportunity as they overcome the evil one uh, to use their superhero strengths. 
And I reckon that's a cool model for as we look at our children, as we look at our maybe our brothers and sisters, as we look at the family that we've been placed within, that God actually has got such a uniqueness about each individual that has got, you know, there's weaknesses, but there's strengths there as well. And God wants to use our strengths as families to really forge something special in the dynamic and the, in the way that He wants us to function as a family. I've been reading, as I said last week, the book of Nehemiah. And um, I love this story because this is a story of a man who rallied families to come together to rebuild the broken walls of a society. And every family who put their hand up and said, I'll be a part of this moment in history, they put their, fam- their hand up and they were assigned to a part of the wall that most likely they lived really close to. And this wall was, uh, there was a, probably no wall there. There was just a massive gap that they'd been living beside for uh, the last 150 years because the, the, in the last you know, 150 years before, um, they came back. The Israelites came back to Jerusalem and they just lived in the context. Their great-great-grandparents, their parents, they lived in this context of brokenness all around them. And the brokenness essentially had become their norm. It had been like, well, I grew up with that gap in the wall over there, and I grew up just accepting that. And that's kind of like, that's the normal reality for our family. But every family who put their hand up said, I want to be a part of this. And they were assigned a location to rebuild the wall. They were assigned a place to rebuild the security for that city so that the enemy wouldn't come in and infiltrate and bring his you know, agenda. But they were to rebuild and they took their place and they guarded that and they achieved the rebuilding of this uh, city wall in a miracle time of about 60 days, which was incredible in its own way. And I think it's, a, it's an amazing historical account of what happened in Israel's legacy and their history. But it's more than that. It's also, I believe it's a prophetic picture of what can be achieved when families come together. When families unite and they come together with purpose, with one heart and one mind, and they, they realize that the pieces you know, are missing. <laughs> There's missing pieces right next to us that were, or a part of us that surround us that we want to lean in together to see restoration happening because it was never the intent of the architect and the builder of Jerusalem for it to be broken down. And like it's never the intent of the architect and the builder that is Jesus Christ over your life, over your family, for you to live in a broken world. For you to accept broken relationships, a broken view of yourself, and for even us collectively to accept the things that are happening in the context of our society today. It's never God's intent for that hurt and that stuff for you to come in. And God wants to bring restoration through grace and truth. Jesus came full of grace and truth when he came to this world. Grace, the enabling power, so we could do, do and achieve what we could never do on our own strength. Truth, to bring this true north, this plumb line, his standard into the context of, of maybe our wobbly world. <laughs> so that we can 
mirror where we're at and relate to where we're at to what he's saying to build and strengthen our own families. In World War II, when the Allies fought back uh, to free Europe from the Nazi oppression that was there, they first had to establish these secure locations on the coast of France uh, that were safe and so that troops could be fed through into the nation of Europe where petrol could be, um, uh, you know, fed into to, to fuel the tanks and the infantry. And, and these, um, these locations were known as beachheads. They were, they were the stronghold of where the good guys <laughs> had, had located themselves so that the, the resources could come in to defeat the enemy. And it's, it's God's desire for us to establish beachheads of kingdoms culture in our families. And maybe you have a fantastic kingdom culture and you're at that point, well, I've got, I've got this. This is actually a beachhead now. Our family is a beachhead for our community. And we, we're ready to go to our community. Or maybe you're here today and it's just like, man, I just, I need to establish a, beach hold, a, a beachhead of peace in my own mind. I need to just establish something around my own context as a, as a mother, as a father, as a son, as a daughter. And, and I need to actually position myself here where the kingdom of God can actually start flowing through my life and my heart into maybe a little bit of the craziness that is a part of my normal, normal uh, kind of life. Because a beachhead in kingdom context, and, and when I say kingdom, I'm meaning the, the kingdom of love, the kingdom of heaven. It's... It's this thought of where heaven invades earth. It's like Deb prayed this morning. It's, a, it's this context where Jesus said, actually, it can be that good. <laughs> your, your family can be that good, where joy abounds, where connection bounds, where, where freedom and peace govern the atmosphere, where boundaries are celebrated as defining expressions of our royal identity. There's, I've got this true account of, um, of an atheist named Max Jukes and a godly man named Jonathan Edwards who both lived in the 1700s. It says this, Max Jukes was an atheist. He lived a godless life. He married an ungodly girl. And from the union, there were 310 people who died as paupers. 150 were criminals, seven were murderers, 100 were drunkards, and more than half of the women were prostitutes. His 540 descendants cost the state one and a quarter million dollars. This is research that was done like a, a couple of hundred years later. But it works both ways. There was a record of a great American man of God, Jonathan Edwards. Well, this messes me up a bit because, man, good, the goodness of God is incredible. While living in the same century as Max Jukes, and he chose to marry a godly girl, an investigation was made of 1,394 known descendants of Jonathan Edwards, of which 13 became college presidents, 65 college professors, three United States senators, 30 judges, 100 lawyers, 60 physicians, 75 army and navy officers, <laughs> God is good when he takes a hold of our families. A hundred preachers and missionaries, 60 authors of prominence, one a vice president of the United States, 80 become public officials in other capacities, 
295 college graduates amongst whom were governors of states and ministers of foreign countries to foreign countries countries his descendants did not cost the state a single penny isn't that incredible there's a generational blessing and connection with divine favor that surrounds God's children that can't be cultivated up without this incredible connection to his favor and and love through Christ Jesus into our lives. Now, I don't want you to hear that, that those statistics and think, man, I'm just, I've really made a meal of my life so far. And I don't want you to come under any condemnation because Jesus is the second Adam, the Bible says, and that we can have a fresh start and come under his genealogy, essentially, and his blessing and grace can come into our families, and he is the God of the second chance. But it's our, it's our vision that the families at Thrive Church would, would honor Jesus in the way he's calling us to honor him in the context of our own family, in the context of our home life, and make room. And essentially, this is to make room for that generational blessing that God has made for us in Christ Jesus. And if you want to do some more reading, first uh, Colossians chapter 1, Romans 5, if you're just really interested in going, what's this generational thing? Google it. Um, there's a heap of generational blessings that we can um, you know, come into as children of God. We are created to win in relationships. We are created to win in connection. And I'm not talking about winning an argument Maybe you've got an ongoing argument happening in your life at the moment with someone. But we would define everyone as winning when every family and every individual is living out what it means to be rooted and established in love, Ephesians 3.17. That is the platform and the epicenter for our life, a life that you want to build that will flourish. The Bible says that when we're rooted and established in love, that together with all the saints, we'll grasp how high and wide and deep the love is in Christ Jesus. That is our ground zero in the sense of what we're going to build from in our families. And, and these values, these, this culture, it will generate freedom on the home front. They, these values prioritize relationships over rules without the discarding the boundaries of a biblical worldview that keep us on the road of discipleship, progress, and holiness. Like these are the things that we need to see and establish and believe for in our own families because the families are the front line. The families are the fabric, and essentially they are the foundational strength or weakness of any society. And we are called to be strong and have joy <laughs> and be examples to other parents, to other families, to other brothers and sisters on what it means to bring this kingdom of love into the context of our world. Um, I, I'd have to say I'm reasonably proud to be a Fraser these days. <laughs> I used to really hate myself. I honestly did. I struggled with self-hate immensely, and I didn't think much of my name. We got that. Um, we've got a, we, there's a Fraser family crest. I just wanted to show you and I love it because this is this is very Scottish but the crest is all my hope is in God that's our family emblem isn't that amazing 
All my hope is in God. And I, I've got a vision that everyone in our family would own that, that all of our children would own the fact that all of our hope is in God. And this is, like I said, this is not, look at me, my family's so perfect. I am a work in progress. And Debbie said, amen, if you didn't hear that. Uh, no, she didn't really. <laughs> we, as, as pastors, um, we don't, God doesn't sprinkle some magic um, fairy dust on our family and say, oh, you, your kids will really want to go to church for two services every week. It's going to be really easy. He doesn't do that for us. We have to engage with strategies, like the cheeseburger strategy that Jared talks about. Uh, you know, we've got to bribe them at times, but we're, uh, we, we don't have, we've got to do the yards to see the kingdom worked into our family context. We have to lean on these kingdom values and not just accept the slide. You know, it all flows down with the brown. And it's, uh, that's where our society is on the way. It's, uh, it's on the way there, and we're called as parents to lift the standard, to not just accept, to not, not just to, like this word, tolerate. It's not in the Bible. Well, it is in the Bible, but it's not in the Beatitudes, at least. It's, it, we can't just go, oh, that's what's... No, we're called to lift the standard. We're called to lift the standard in this generation, and it starts in our own families. God is speaking. I just want to tell you that God is speaking words over your family. He is speaking to you about your future. He's speaking to you about your children, and it's a part, uh, like the blessing that he's speaking to your life individually. It's not just for you. It's for your family. When Abraham walked, God said, I'm going to bless you. This is the top line blessing, but the bottom line blessing is that so you will be a blessing generationally, that you would be thinking about your children and your grandchildren like the stars in the sky, that you will be posturing your life and your disciplines and your routines around what your grandchildren are going to be thinking about you in 150 years' time. God can take anyone, though. I love the story of Joseph. Joseph is in this dysfunctional family. His brothers, you know, he's got a bit of pride in his life and, and he's blurted out these big dreams he's had. Then his brothers try to kill him. I mean, that's, that's a bad family moment right there. That's not your normal Sunday afternoon kind of hanging out with the family. But at the end, when reconciliation happened in this story, Joseph was able to say, you know, everything that the devil's worked for, for evil, God has worked this for good. He's brought something good into this family, into this dysfunction, and God can do that in your world. And I love that Joseph was someone who was even, he was thinking about the next generation because the Bible says that he made plans before he died for his bones to be taken out of Egypt into the promised land. It had nothing to do about his personal freedom at all. It had everything to do about what he was seeing and the declaration he was making over those around him in that season. It had everything to do with his desire to see a greater day happen for those ones that he would go into 400 years of oppression. He could see beyond what are you seeing over your family. Today is a day to lift your vision with God's vision and your heart with God's heart so that you can see as He is seeing over you. When, when Jesus walked, he, 
he was constantly changing people's names. He changed Simon to Peter. He changed Saul to Paul. And when you think of the Bible and most of the New Testament is written, in the, it's not written by Saul, it's written by Paul. It's written by his new identity in Christ Jesus. As Peter's shadow healed people as he passed by, it wasn't Simon's shadow, it was Peter's shadow. It was this identity that he now walked in, was the identity that Christ had spoken over him. And each one of these guys took their place and forged the legacy that they were called to forge in their lifetime. And the legacy of those guys, when we think of them, when we think of their families and the generations that flowed from them, they were just, that was, that was Peter and Paul. That wasn't Saul and, and Simon. That was Peter and Paul. That was my great granddad. He lived in the identity. He lived in the identity that he was called to be, not in his former self. So maybe today is a good day to stop reminding Jesus about how you failed in the past, <laughs> about how you failed as a, as a parent, maybe in your first marriage or whatever the context was. And, and, and all you can do is actually, it feels like you're just trying to drive forward in life, but you, all you're doing is actually looking in the rear view mirror and you, you, you've got a window. <laughs> God wants to give you clear vision for who you are today. And it's, it's, it's a day to stop reminding yourself of your failings in the past. And it's a day to, to step into this new identity that you have in Christ Jesus because your children, your friends, your work colleagues, this community is actually depending on us to take a hold of who we are in Christ. Heaven's atmosphere belongs in our families. Can I just grab a drink, honey? <sighs> We're called to build powerful, resilient families within our church family that reflect who we are in the light of Christ. That's what we're called to do. And as parents and as leaders, we set the climate, we set the tone, we set the atmosphere. Let's just put away blame right now. Let's not blame the age of our kids, the condition maybe of our staff for an employee, employer that they've come to us, maybe the location where we live, the culture that we live within. Let's just stop blaming everything right now. It's like, well, that's not us. We don't blame anyone anymore. We just take responsibility for, for the gospel in the context of our own life. So I just want to, in the second half of this, if there's time for a second half now, I want to give you a few tools to help you on a couple of really practical areas in your family. One is with conflict resolution. And the other one is just to help hone your family values. Um, and hopefully this just brings some enrichment and some tools to help with your family today. Um, I, no, I won't say that. Don't worry. 
I need to trim, not add new things in. Have you ever noticed that uh, that some people find buttons to push that you never knew you were that you had until they were in your world? <laughs> you never knew you had that button until this person rocked up, and I, and I'm sure it's a little bit like God. Sometimes God's in heaven, and He's like, <laughs> "Look at this, angels." <laughs> I'm going to put this personality slash strong-willed and determined and that personality slash strong-willed and determined in the same family. <laughs> and all the angels are like, oh, you want to do that? <laughs> oh. But God's seeing something. He's, he's seeing the conflict and he's seeing the sufferings. But he's seeing what that's going to do and what that's going to forge in their heart as they pursue him with number one, as number one in their life as they encounter what it means to grow in humility and love and to celebrate one another. Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4 says this, By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Understanding is a foundational value to bring into the context of any relationship you have in life. Understanding says to my logic and my perspective on any situation or argument I'm having about, you know, leaving my clothes on the floor or something, uh, and it says everything about my opinion, it says I'm going to take second place. I'm going to just quiet my response down and I'm going to listen in and I will stand under your perspective, understanding. I will see your side of the fence. And so if you're facing conflict in your own family at this time, the first goal I want to encourage you to do, well, the first thing is surrender to Jesus and say, help me, Lord, <laughs> is to gain understanding, is to, gain, to, to, to establish a listening ear we were given two of those and only one of these. <laughs> and to remember that listening is not waiting for my turn to speak. <laughs> to listen and to understand is to hear someone's heart. Because before we can build in relationship, before we can, you know, before we can establish everything that we want to achieve in our own family context, we just first need to understand each other's hearts. We need to understand their paradigms and everything that the enemy's using to actually promote disconnection, God has got a solution for. Everything that you see as a, a conflict and as a divisive thing in your family is actually an opportunity for God to bring kingdom and establish his love and grace through. He will use all things, all things, to work together for good if we allow him into those places in our lives. So how do you feel when I say the word conflict? Does that immediately position you on the defense? Are you having a flashback moment right now? Does it stir up anger and shame and regret and potentially resentment for you? And it's highly unlikely that any of us have managed to disentangle ourselves from conflict. And if you have, check your pulse and see if you're still breathing. 
we're all conflicted in some kind of way. You could be sitting here just thinking about your next meal and, and, and wrestling with the thought of, man, I could just slip out and Glenn wouldn't even know me right now. And, 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 and I just really want to feed my stomach. But actually, you're, you're, you've decided that you want to feed your soul. And you've given priority to that because you realize that is a, a greater value to you than feeding your stomach. But you are conflicted. Or you might be currently butting heads with your spouse on a financial matter. On one hand, you're feeling this really strong conviction about your perspective. And at the same time, you're feeling like really regretful about how you spoke to her, uh, them, um, on those matters. I'm not speaking from experience right now. We're good, eh, babe? Um, (laughs) Whatever your level of conflict, I don't want you to think that conflict equals incompatibility. Deb and I wouldn't have made it through the first few years of our marriage if that was the case. Conflict is just an opportunity for learning and understanding to grow. So when we face conflict, we need to remind ourselves that this person's not my enemy. Therefore, I will communicate to build and strengthen my connection with them. That is the goal to build and strengthen connection with them. I love this proverb, Proverbs 25, 28, like a city that is broken down and without walls is a man who has no control over his spirit. Yelling and screaming at our children and attempting to control them through angry outbursts reduces us from a position as a parent to that of a pirate. From experience, (laughs) when my child isn't listening and I find myself escalating to a place where the only way I can win is by yelling at my kids, I know that I've only achieved this temporal, veneer-like version of control. But in the process, I have broken down the trust between myself and my child. When we lose the plot (laughs) as parents, (laughs) we're teaching our children that You don't actually need to respond till I yell. But I'm not in charge because I'm mad. I'm in charge because I'm dead. And it's our role as parents to teach our children how a loving father or mother responds. My goal is to not control my children through fear, through the fear of my rage even. (laughs) Not that I go to rage mode often these days. Maybe in the past, the rage mode button was more apparent. But God's been doing a work in my heart. My goal is to honor my child's dignity and preserve our connection. That's the goal of working through a conflicted parenting situation. I just need to find another way to win that doesn't destroy trust. That's what we need to do as parents. We need to fight to build trust in our families. Often conflict comes when we have different values, and we can even project our values through our dysfunction. Say if I'd been involved in a dispute and I value innocence, then despite what I've done, I will want to protect my innocence at all costs, even at the cost of truth. I'll blame others and not take responsibility for my actions to protect my innocence. 
even if we're unaware of what our values are, they will still be at the core of our responses. And our own values that we have in life are often shaped by our family values, the family mottos that we've grown up with, uh, our country and our culture. They all, they all influence our values. And the way that we parent our children they all, it all comes from the values that have, we been, have been instilled into us as children. Our values essentially empower our vision in life. And if we are living intentionally, we will want them to be at the core of everything we do. Because when we share the same values, then we can work together with purpose to accomplish a goal. Because share, shared values brings unity. For example... Like if we were just to take the word honor, honor is a value that we that we have in our own home. It's a value that we have in the context of our staff here at Thrive. And honor says, look, everyone has the right to speak to us. Everyone has a has the right to speak, uh, regardless of you know how long they've been on staff or how old they are as a child. Do you have the right to speak to me? But honor says. I'll not ignore your voice in the world. Honor says you have a place in my family on our team. But honor flows both ways when we're being spoken to. We expect to be spoken to with respect. So honor is a value. It's a great foundational value that we can use in the context of our workplace or family that actually brings a real flow of kingdom into our lives. How do we discover our values? What do you think about most in life? <laughs> Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. So perhaps the things that you want in your family and the things that you want your family to be known for are actually in conflict with your headspace. They're actually conflicting with the paradigms that you are wrestling with because your values are actually not kingdom values. God wants to bring alignment to us so that we can live with strong kingdom values in our family. Perhaps you value learning, continuing to grow spiritually and you want to flourish. You are actually, and from that desire to learn, you want to teach others, but you feel shut down by someone's remarks as a, that, a, you know, like a, that a teacher made 30 years ago. And you've concluded maybe that it's just too late in life for you to learn now and you could never be in a teaching position. You're conflicted. Maybe you love the idea of being a team player, but you just feel really insecure when you're around people and you, you feel threatened by loud, loud, loud people and you don't know what you're really good at. You're conflicted. But don't put away that desire that you have to be a team player. That is a great kingdom value. Maybe you value compassion and you just like, man, I love that word. I just want to express love to those in need. But you just find yourself thinking about yourself all the time. <laughs> Humanity. God wants to let his kingdom flow into your life as you surrender. You know, Nehemiah rebuilt the walls one stone at a time. One brick at a time, security was realized again. 
one conflict at a time that was overcome, that understanding came into, one value that you decided to instill in your life, whether it be discipline, honor, whatever, one at a time, that wall came up and that city became secure. And that's the same way for our families. The Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. What is your first step today? What is your step to bring kingdom into the context of your family and into your world? I want to tell you, this legacy thing that we're talking about, this generational flow that we're talking about that comes, that's going to flow from your lineage through the generations is going to come because you said, I'm going to lift this brick and I'm going to place it here. I'm going to I'm going to go after this this conflict that all all it's, all it's doing is defeating me on the inside but I am going to determine myself to bring to understand where this person's coming from. I'm going to fight to hear them. I'm going to become an active listener. One brick at a time, one step at a time, one discipline at a time that wall was rebuilt. Families grow stronger. Transformation takes place one step at a time. And so in this series, church, I want to invite you into this context of one step at a time. One day at a time. What does my Monday look like? What is my response going to be when I know currently that I'm sitting on some pretty unresolved offense and hurt in my heart? What am I, how am I going to behave when that person hits that button again and I just go to rage mode? No, I'm, I don't want to do that anymore. What am I going to do? Am I going to walk away? Could that be my first response in taking a step is to actually just not say anything and walk away and say, Jesus, help me process this. He wants, God is not a distant God. <laughs> he wants to bring wisdom and solutions into your world. And we will connect you with some great other resources right throughout this series as well. So that if you are struggling and you need some extra support and counsel, we would like to connect you and plug you in so that you can bring kingdom context and values into your own home. Let's just stand together, church. Thanks again for tuning in to the Thrive Church weekly podcast. Stay up to date with everything that is happening.